Section nine The Lost Lemuria by William Scott Elliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lost Lemuria Part three Processes of Reproduction After instancing the simplest processes of propagation by self division and by the formation of buds, Gerard Marcio, Heckel proceeds quote, the third mode of non sexual propagation that of the formation of germ buds polysporogonia is intimately connected with the formation of buds in the case of the lower imperfect organisms among animals especially in the case of the plant-like animals and worms we very frequently find that in the interior of an individual composed of many cells a small group of cells separates itself from those surrounding it and that this small isolated group gradually develops itself into an individual which becomes like the parent and sooner or later comes out of it the formation of germ buds is evidently but little different from real budding but on the other hand it is connected with a fourth kind of non-sexual propagation which almost forms a transition to sexual reproduction namely the formation of germ cells monosporogonia in this case it is no longer a group of cells but a single cell which separates itself from the surrounding cells in the interior of the producing organism and which becomes further developed after it has come out of its parent sexual or amphigonic propagation amphigonia is the usual method of propagation among all higher animals and plants it is evident that it has only developed at a very late period of the earth's history from non-sexual propagation and apparently in the first instance from the method of propagation by germ cells in all the chief forms of non-sexual propagation mentioned above in fission in the formation of buds germ buds and germ cells the separated cell or group of cells was able by itself to develop into a new individual but in the case of sexual propagation the cell must first be fructified by another generative substance the fructifying sperm must first mix with the germ cell the egg before the latter can develop into a new individual these two generative substances the sperm and the egg are either produced by one and the same individual hermaphrodite hermaphroditismus or by two different individuals sexual separation the simpler and more ancient form of sexual propagation is through double sexed individuals it occurs in the great majority of plants but only in a minority of animals for example in the garden snails leeches earthworms and many other worms every single individual among hermaphrodites produces within itself materials of both sexes eggs and sperm in most of the higher plants every blossom contains both the male organ stamens and anther and the female organ style and germ every garden snail produces in one part of its sexual gland eggs and in another part sperm many hermaphrodites can fructify themselves in others however reciprocal fructification of both hermaphrodites is necessary for causing the development of the eggs this latter case is evidently a transition to sexual separation sexual separation which characterizes the more complicated of the two kinds of sexual reproduction has evidently been developed from the condition of hermaphroditism at a late period of the organic history of the world it is at present the universal method of propagation of the higher animals the so-called virginal reproduction parthenogenesis offers an interesting form of transition from sexual reproduction to the non-sexual formation of germ cells which most resembles it 
in this case germ cells which otherwise appear and are formed exactly like egg cells become capable of developing themselves into new individuals without requiring the fructifying seed the most remarkable and the most instructive of the different parthenogenetic phenomena are furnished by those cases in which the same germ cells according as they are fructified or not produce different kinds of individuals among our common honey-bees a male individual a drone arises out of the eggs of the queen if the egg has not been fructified a female a queen or working bee if the egg has been fructified it is evident from this that in reality there exists no wide chasm between sexual and non-sexual reproduction but that both models of reproduction are directly connected Unquote now the interesting fact in connection with the evolution of third-race man on lemuria is that his mode of reproduction ran through phases which were closely analogous with some of the processes above described sweat-born egg-born and androgyny are the terms used in the secret doctrine Quote, almost sexless in its early beginnings it became bisexual or androgynous very gradually of course the passage from the former to the latter transformation required numberless generations during which the simple cell that issued from the earliest parent the two in one first developed into a bisexual being and then the cell becoming a regular egg gave forth a unisexual creature the third race mankind is the most mysterious of all the hitherto developed five races the mystery of the how of the generation of the distinct sexes must of course be very obscure here as it is the business of an embryologist and a specialist the present work giving only faint outlines of the process but it is evident that the units of the third race humanity began to separate in their prenatal shells or eggs and to issue out of them as distinct male and female babes ages after the appearance of its early progenitors and as time rolled on its geological periods the newly born sub-races began to lose their natal capacities toward the end of the fourth sub-race the babe lost its faculty of walking as soon as liberated from its shell and by the end of the fifth mankind was born under the same conditions and by the same identical process as our historical generations this required of course millions of years unquote. lemurian races still inhabiting the earth it may be as well again to repeat that the almost mindless creatures who inhabited such bodies as have been above described during the early sub-races of the lemurian period can scarcely be regarded as completely human it was only after the separation of the sexes when their bodies had become densely physical that they became human even in appearance it must be remembered that the beings we are speaking of though embracing the second and third groups of the lunar petries must also have been largely recruited from the animal kingdom of that the lunar manvantara the degraded remnants of the third root race who still inhabit the earth may be recognized in the aborigines of australia the andaman islanders some hill tribes of india the tierra del fuegans the bushmen of africa and some other savage tribes the entities now inhabiting these bodies must have belonged to the animal kingdom in the early part of this manvantara it was probably during the evolution of the lemurian race and before the door was shut on the entities thronging up from below that these attained the human kingdom scene of the mindless the shameful acts of the mindless men at the first separation of the sexes had best be referred to in the words of the stanzas of the archaic book of Gian. no commentary is needed Quote, 
during the third race the boneless animals grew and changed they became animals with bones their chayas became solid the animals separated first they began to breed the twofold man separated also he said let us as they let us unite and make creatures they did and those that had no spark took huge she-animals unto them they begat upon them dumb races dumb they were themselves but their tongues untied the tongues of their progeny remained still monsters they bred a race of crooked red hair covered monsters going on all fours a dumb race to keep the shame untold unquote. and an ancient commentary adds when the third separated and fell into sin by breeding men animals these the animals became ferocious and men and they mutually destructive till then there was no sin no life taken Quote, seeing which the lars who had not built men wept saying the amanasa mindless have defiled our future abodes this is karma let us dwell in the others let us teach them better lest worse should happen they did then all men became endowed with manas they saw the scene of the mindless Unquote. origin of the pithecoid and the anthropoid apes the anatomical resemblance between man and the higher ape so frequently cited by darwinists as pointing to some ancestor common to both presents an interesting problem the proper solution of which is to be sought for in the esoteric explanation of the genesis of the pithecoid stalks now we gather from the secret doctrine that the descendants of the semi-human monsters described above as originating in the scene of the mindless having through long centuries dwindled in size and become more densely physical culminated in a race of apes at the time of the miocene period from which in their turn are descended the pithecoids of to-day with these apes of the miocene period however the atlanteans of that age renewed the scene of the mindless this time with full responsibility and the resultants of their crime are the species of apes now known as anthropoid we are given to understand that in the coming sixth root race these anthropoids will obtain human incarnation in the bodies doubtless of the lowest races then existing upon earth that part of the lemurian continent where the separation of the sexes took place and where both the fourth and the fifth sub-races flourished is to be found in the earlier of the two maps it lay to the east of the mountainous region of which the present island of madagascar formed a part and thus occupied a central position around the smaller of the two great lakes origin of language as stated in the stanzas of Gian above quoted the men of that epoch even though they had become completely physical still remained speechless naturally the astral and ethereal ancestors of this third root race had no need to produce a series of sounds in order to convey their thoughts living as they did in astral and ethereal conditions but when man became physical he could not for long remain dumb we are told that the sounds which these primitive men made to express their thoughts were at first composed entirely of vowels in the slow course of evolution the consonant sounds gradually came into use but the development of language from first to last on the continent of lemuria never reached beyond the monosyllabic phase the chinese language of to-day is the sole great lineal descendant of ancient lemurian speech for quote, the whole human race was at that time of one language 
and one lip unquote. in humboldt's classification of language the chinese as we know is called the isolating as distinguished from the more highly evolved agglutinative and the still more highly evolved inflectional readers of the story of atlantis may remember that many different languages were developed on that continent but all belonged to the agglutinative or as max muller prefers to call it the combinatory type while the still higher development of inflectional speech in the aryan and semitic tongues was reserved for our own era of the fifth root race the first taking of life the first instance of sin the first taking of life quoted above from an old commentary on the stanzas of Gian, may be taken as indicative of the attitude which was then inaugurated between the human and the animal kingdom and which has since attained such awful proportions not only between men and animals but between the different races of men themselves and this opens up a most interesting avenue of thought the fact that kings and emperors consider it necessary or appropriate on all state occasions to appear in the garb of one of the fighting branches of their service is a significant indication of the apotheosis reached by the combative qualities in man the custom doubtless comes down from a time when the king was the warrior chief and when his kingship was acknowledged solely in virtue of his being the chief warrior but now that the fifth root race is in ascendancy whose chief characteristic and function is the development of intellect it might have been expected that the dominant attribute of the fourth root race would have been a little less conspicuously paraded but the era of one race overlaps another and though as we know the leading races of the world all belong to the fifth root race the vast majority of its inhabitants still belong to the fourth and it would appear that the fifth root race has not yet outstripped fourth race characteristics for it is by infinitely slow degrees that man's evolution is accomplished it will be interesting here to summarize the history of this strife and bloodshed from its genesis during these far-off ages of lemuria from the information placed before the writer it would seem that the antagonism between men and animals was developed first with the evolution of man's physical body suitable food for the body naturally became an urgent need so that in addition to the antagonism brought about by the necessity of self-defence against the now ferocious animals the desire of food also urged men to their slaughter and as we have seen above one of the first uses they made of their budding mentality was to train animals to act as hunters in the chase the element of strife having once been kindled men soon began to use weapons of offence against each other the causes of aggression were naturally the same as those which exist to-day among savage communities the possession of any desirable object by one of his fellows was sufficient inducement for a man to attempt to take it by force nor was strife limited to single acts of aggression as among savages to-day bands of marauders would attack and pillage the communities who dwelt at a distance from their own village but to this extent only we are told was warfare organized in lemuria even down to the end of its seventh sub-race it was reserved for the atlanteans to develop the principle of strife on organized lines to collect and to drill armies and to build navies this principle of strife was indeed the fundamental characteristic of the fourth root race all through the atlantean period as we know warfare was the order of the day and battles were constantly fought on land and sea and so deeply rooted in man's nature during the atlantean period did this principle of strife become 
that even now the most intellectually developed of the aryan races are ready to war upon each other the arts to trace the development of the arts among the lemurians we must start with the history of the fifth sub-race the separation of the sexes was now fully accomplished and man inhabited a completely physical body though it was still of gigantic stature the offensive and defensive war with the monstrous beasts of prey had already begun and men had taken to living in huts to build their huts they tore down trees and piled them up in a rude fashion at first each separate family lived in its own clearing in the jungle but they soon found it safer as a defence against the wild beasts to draw together and live in small communities their huts too which had been formed of rude trunks of trees they now learned to build with boulders of stone while the weapons with which they attacked or defended themselves against the dinosauria and other wild beasts were spears of sharpened wood similar to the staff held by the man whose appearance is described above up to this time agriculture was unknown and the uses of fire had not been discovered the food of their boneless ancestors who crawled on the earth were such things as they could find on the surface of the ground or just below it now that they walked erect many of the wild forest trees provided them with nuts and berries but their chief article of food was the flesh of the beasts and reptiles which they slew tore in pieces and devoured teachers of the lemurian race but now there occurred an event pregnant with consequences the most momentous in the history of the human race an event too full of mystical import for its narration brings into view beings who belonged to entirely different systems of evolution and who nevertheless came at this epoch to be associated with our humanity the lament of the Laz, who had not built men at seeing their future abodes defiled is at first sight far from intelligible though the descent of these beings into human bodies is not the chief event to which we have to refer some explanation of its cause and its result must first be attempted now we are given to understand that these laws were the highly evolved humanity of some system of evolution which had run its course at a period in the infinitely far-off past they had reached a high stage of development on their chain of worlds and since its dissolution had passed the intervening ages in the bliss of some nirvanic condition but their karma now necessitated a return to some field of action and of physical causes and as they had not yet fully learned the lesson of compassion their temporary task now lay in becoming guides and teachers of the lemurian race who then required all the help and guidance they could get but other beings also took up the task in this case voluntarily these came from the scheme of evolution which has venus as its one physical planet that scheme has already reached the seventh round of its planets in its fifth manvantara its humanity therefore stands at a far higher level than ordinary mankind on this earth has yet attained they are divine while we are only human the lemurians as we have seen were then merely on the verge of attaining true manhood it was to supply a temporary need the education of our infant humanity that these divine beings came as we possibly long ages hence may similarly be called to give a helping hand to the beings struggling up to manhood on the jupiter or the saturn chain under their guidance and influence the lemurians rapidly advanced in mental growth 
the stirring of their minds with feelings of love and reverence for those whom they felt to be infinitely wiser and greater than themselves naturally resulted in efforts of imitation and so the necessary advance in mental growth was achieved which transformed the higher mental sheath into a vehicle capable of carrying over the human characteristics from life to life thus warranting that outpouring of the divine life which endowed the recipient with individual immortality as expressed in the archaic stanzas of Gian, quote, then all men became endowed with manas unquote. a great distinction however must be noted between the coming of the exalted beings from the venus scheme and that of those described as the highly evolved humanity of some previous system of evolution the former as we have seen were under no karmic impulse they came as men to live and work among them but they were not required to assume their physical limitations being in a position to provide appropriate vehicles for themselves the las on the other hand had actually to be born in the bodies of the race as it then existed better would it have been both for them and for the race if there had been no hesitation or delay on their part in taking up their karmic task for the sin of the mindless and all its consequences would have been avoided their task too would have been an easier one for it consisted not only in acting as guides and teachers but in improving the racial type in short in evolving out of the half-human half-animal form then existing the physical body of the man to be it must be remembered that up to this time the lemurian race consisted of the second and third groups of the lunar petries but now that they were approaching the level reached on the lunar chain by the first group of petries it became necessary for these again to return to incarnation and these they did all through the fifth sixth and seventh sub-races indeed some did not take birth till the atlantean period so that the impetus given to the progress of the race was a cumulative force the positions occupied by the divine beings from the venus chain were naturally those of rulers instructors in religion and teachers of the arts and it is in this latter capacity that a reference to the arts taught by them comes to our aid in the consideration of the history of this early race End of section nine.